But first, President Biden was focused mostly on the middle in his State of the Union address this week. The middle class and finding bipartisan middle ground with his Republican colleagues. Along with pointing to his accomplishments, he acknowledged voter frustrations with inflation and those aggravating fees on everything from cable TV to hotels. So how is the president's message being received in his own party? Sharing the progressive perspective on that is newly elected Congresswoman Delia Ramirez of Illinois' 3rd District. Ramirez is a Democrat, and she also delivered the Working Families Party response to the State of the Union. Welcome back to Reset, Congresswoman. Uh, Good morning. Happy to be here. So as is tradition, the president summed up the State of the Union as strong. So in one word, how would you describe the country right now? Uh, That's a hard one. I would say uh, the country is at a crossroad. Crossroad. Crossroads. Why do you say that? Well, look, uh, we have more jobs than we have had in a very, very long time, but people are still hurting. Uh, We are seeing some real investments around infrastructure, uh, but people are still struggling having to choose between health care and paying for their mortgage because taxes continue to go up and rent is doubling. And while, you know, this his response, his state of the union, as I as I was talking to folks and, and my own response around it, I believe was among the strongest I've ever heard in my life. And really targeting the middle class, uh, working families want to get to middle class. And we need to recognize that there's a lot more that we have to be doing. Um, but I really did appreciate him talking about uh, reducing price gouging, particularly uh, as it pertains to pharmaceutical companies and yeah. making sure that we reduce the price of insulin. And we'll we'll dig more into that with you, Congresswoman. As I mentioned earlier, you gave the official response to the, the State of the Union for the Working Families Party, and it was via live stream. You actually did it in both English and Spanish. For those of us who are not familiar with the Working Families Party, can you tell us about it? Yeah. So the Working Families Party is a grassroots party that works to elect people up and down the ballot. Uh, so that is in Illinois and places like Delaware, New Mexico, and also people who go to Congress, uh, people like Maxwell Frost in Florida, Greg Gassad and Jasmine Crockett in Texas, Becca Bell in Vermont, and Summer Lee in Pennsylvania as myself. And it's really looking to a policy agenda, getting working class people to run for office that are going to really prioritize a working people's agenda. And that means health care, that means housing, that means living wages, that means immigration reform. And so every single year, a working class uh, Democrat gives a response to the State of the Union. Last year was Rashida Tlaib. Prior to that was Congressman Jamal Bowman out of New York. Mm-hmm. You received their endorsement in November, correct? I did. So I did. Let's, let's turn back to the response that you delivered uh, on Tuesday night. Overall, what did you think of the president's message? Overall, I thought that the president's message was strong. I really appreciated how direct he was, particularly talking about Social Security and Medicare. When he said, we're not cutting Social Security today, tomorrow, or ever, it was so incredibly important for the American people to hear that directly in the State of the Union from our president. And to call out those on the other side of the aisle who have even had the audacity to even bring it up as a negotiating bargain around the debt ceiling. It was really important. And I also think it was really important that he talked a lot about, you know, how do we make sure that the jobs and the supply, uh, the products that will come out of the infrastructure legislation 
are made in the U.S. And to me, that is a perfect segue into the importance of making sure that undocumented essential workers get the work authorizations to help fill those jobs that we're going to have to fill. Let's talk a bit more about something you mentioned a moment ago. The president did address voter aggravations with those rising costs, and he referenced everything from groceries to rent. Let's listen. Inflation has been a global problem because the pandemic disrupted our supply chains and Putin's unfair and brutal war in Ukraine disrupted energy supplies as well as food supplies, blocking all that grain in Ukraine. But we're better positioned than any country on Earth right now. But we have more to do. But here at home, inflation is coming down. Here at home, gas prices are down $1.50 from their peak. Food inflation is coming down, not fast enough, but coming down. Inflation has fallen every month for the last six months. Our take-home pay has gone up. Are you feeling optimistic about the economy, Congresswoman? It's a tough question. I certainly hearing the president uh, talk about how we see the inflation going down uh, is really encouraging. And yes, gas is going down, right? We saw it at five, almost six dollars. And in some places, we're seeing three dollars and 59 cents a gallon. But to be quite frank, every conversation I have with everyday people in my district, friends who are working class, they don't stop talking still about the inflation, about the eggs two weeks ago at seven dollars, you know, a dozen. And so I really do believe that the president and under executive action, and certainly even in the minority, we're going to find creative ways to continue to address inflation, but we still have a long way to go. Well, the latest Washington Post ABC News poll, it shows 62 percent of Americans think that Biden has not accomplished very much. So do Democrats need to work harder at getting credit for their accomplishments? I think that we're, you know, when I said to you at a crossroads, we passed critical legislation in 2022, some of it in the last few months of the year. Our responsibility in this moment is to protect the legislation we've passed and make sure that we're implementing, executing. And those dollars that we've talked about, those dollars that the president talked about in the State of the Union are beginning to come down to the states and into the local authorities so that the people can actually feel that relief. Dollars around, you know, reducing the cost of health care, right? That has to now get to the people, um, money around the infrastructure and those jobs. We got to get those jobs to the pip- to people. The fact that it is seven twenty five an hour, that that is what our federal minimum wage is right now, mm-hmm. is unacceptable. And he talked about it, right? But even $15 an hour in a state like Illinois, in a city like Chicago, you have to work two jobs at $15 an hour full time to pay your rent and all the other costs associated with it. So what I think we have to do is now we have to make sure that the things we work so hard to pass are getting to the people who need it most. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We are getting the progressive response to President Biden's State of the Union speech from Illinois Congresswoman Delia Ramirez. She's a Democrat who also delivered the Working Families Party response to the speech. So to that end, Congresswoman, the the president acknowledged how a lot of people feel about taxes in the U.S. So let's listen to a bit of what he had to say there. The tax system is not fair. It is not fair. Look, the idea that in 2020, 55 of the largest corporations in America, the Fortune 500, made $40 billion in profits 
and paid zero in federal taxes? Zero? Folks, it's simply not fair. But now, because of the law I signed, billion-dollar companies have to pay a minimum of 15 percent. God love them. So, Congresswoman, tell us more of your thoughts on on the 15 percent corporate tax he's referring to there. I mean, it means that if you made $6 billion in profit, you'll still get about $4.5 billion. You'll still be a billionaire. Uh, it was, to be quite frank, for a number of us, music to our ears because we've been saying this for a long time. You know what was most surprising? It was the first time I was at the State of the Union, certainly the first time as a brand new member that I got to be in that chamber as he said that. I looked to the right. Not one Republican applaud at the fact that the tax system is not fair. I know they have constituents in their own district who complain every single day about what that tax system looks like for people making $50,000 a year, for people making $100,000 a year. Not one of them. What did that tell you? And that tells me that there's a real disconnect and that oftentimes it is more about the political games down the party line and making sure that the other side doesn't get a win than to do the thing that we asked and begged people to do, which was vote for us because we were going to go deliver. You know, to give you a quick example, Dreamers, DACA recipients like my husband, they paid $6,200,000,000 last year in federal taxes. Six billion two hundred million. Yet they want to continue to criminalize undocumented people. And the other side doesn't even want to talk about a pathway to citizenship for DACA recipients until we continue to militarize the border. That's hypocrisy. Quite frankly, for my husband and for the people that I represent, that's evil. Let's touch on another personal story that you shared last night. This one having to do with with Medicaid, because the, the president made a pitch for expanding Medicaid. And you've talked about how your own mother received health insurance through Medicaid, despite the fact that she works. Is expanding Medicaid a winning message for Democrats, you think? I believe so. I mean, think about this. I mean, I'll give you a quick example more furthermore on my mother's situation. Uh, my mom is a home care worker and the agency that she's worked for, uh, when they were providing health care for her at 35 hours a week, She had to put out of her own pocket with minimum wage over $500 for her health care insurance every year, and for every year, every month. And you know what she would say to me? I'm diabetic. I have to go to the doctor on a regular basis. $550 is a fourth of my income every single month. And the amount of co-pays and the amount I'm paying for my medicine makes it nearly impossible for me to get my regular medication. She's now working 31 hours a week and on Medicaid. And Medicaid, having that level of health care for her, has been the ability for her to stay alive and get her insulin and get the treatment that she needs uh, when she has to be at the doctor on a regular basis. This is about life or death for people. And in the richest country in the entire world, everyone deserves access to good health care. What does the Working Families Party think needs to be done about the cost of prescription drugs? We have to address the price gouging. And, and, and I talked a little bit about this in my speech uh, a couple of days ago, but specifically around that, we, we've done some good work in the, in the latest legislation, particularly through the IRA, but we have to do more. And I was really thankful to hear the president say, we're going to take concrete steps to hold pharma accountable. 
specifically ensuring that they are not bringing the price point at 600, 700, 800% markup. And that means making sure that we create additional caps, not just for insulin, but for a number of life, you know, that dependent medications that our people every single day need to stay alive. And, and I think that's a place where in absence of legislative action, through the president's executive action, we can take on right now, not in 2024, we're in the majority. For some of our people, they don't have till 2024 to wait. I want to turn to Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders' Republican rebuttal. She had harsh words for the president, saying he had been, quote, hijacked by the radical left and was, quote, doubling down on crazy. What are your thoughts on her response? It was exactly what I thought it would be. And it's why it was so important that I gave a response as well. I am the daughter of immigrants who have contributed to this country for the last 40 years probably far more than she has. And to hear her talk about crazy, when we were just asking like basic things, like, you know, that people have living wage jobs, uh, that we address pharmaceutical drug price gouging, that we address, you know, the inflation, the cost of housing, uh, that we talk about jobs in America, which I know last I checked, I thought the Republicans cared about that. That we have a tax system that's fair. What part of that is crazy? To me, that's exactly what government should be doing, delivering for people. But when I think about who she is and where I come from, the contrast can't be farther. She wants to continue to use fear mongering to keep people divided. That's what Trump did for four years. And that's why Sarah giving that response shows you the extension of the Trump era into our Congress today, because they believe that as long as we keep pitting poor people against each other, we won't organize and demand the things we need to be able to retire with dignity. It's unacceptable. And it was also, for me, I knew exactly what was coming out of her mouth. It was exactly what would always come out of her mouth. But I would also say to you that Cisco Mani's response, they continue to try to target the Latino vote uh, for the red wave that they want. And I was clear in my response. Latinos, like everyone else, want people to deliver. They are less obsessed with the party line name than they are with having people who show up and actually show them tangible results. Well, tell it, how will Democrats hold on to those Latinos with conservative family values that might be more in line with a Republican message? Addressing economy. Addressing immigration. The president, through executive action, can extend protection from deportation and issue work permits for undocumented immigrants. He can do that. We can also protect DREAMers when the program ends, we know there's another lawsuit in Texas. But also when we talk about the economy, these jobs that we're talking about, making sure that communities like in the Latino community have access to those living wage jobs, those jobs that come with a pension. What I think oftentimes people assume is that Latinos only care about immigration or Latinos only care about abortion. We care about all the things that every other community cares about. And I know that. I'm a progressive who believes in choice, who believes in same-sex marriage, and I have the ability to knock on a door of one of the most conservative Latinos 
and they can see themselves through me. Because those two issues may be important for some of them, but the other issues are equally and sometimes even far more important. Before I let you go, I want to shift gears with you, Congresswoman. We're two and a half weeks out from Election Day here in Chicago. In a moment, we're actually going to hear some of the candidates' ideas on how to address crime in Chicago, which is the top issues, as you can imagine, for voters in this city. So what are you and your colleagues in Congress doing or able to do to reduce the shootings and the homicides and, and the carjackings? Like, What role should we look to the federal government to play here? Yeah, I'd say to you, and I, I was really thankful the president uh, talked a little bit about this as well. But look, we have to invest in communities in a really tangible way, maybe tangible. It's like the word of the day for me here, right? Um, but what I mean is the communities who don't have youth investment programs, communities that don't have access to mental health resources, communities that have more liquor stores and pawn shops and libraries and community centers, it's, there's a correlation between crime and, and, and the lack of investment. I think that for us and Department of Justice and all of the other initiatives and, 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 and agencies within the federal government, we have to look at safety with a comprehensive approach that addresses the root causes of violence. And we have to make sure those dollars are getting to our states and to our local municipalities. If we don't do that, if we don't address the economy and, and economic realities of these communities, it doesn't matter how many officers you put on a beat. And it doesn't matter how much training you do. Training is important for our officers. Accountability is important for, for, for you know, for, for our communities. Right. And certainly better relationships. But get to the root cause. People are poor. Young people went through the biggest crisis of our lives during the pandemic. There's a correlation between that and what we're seeing in the streets. We'll leave it there. That's Democratic Congresswoman Delia Ramirez of Illinois' 3rd District. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.